This episode brought to you by the indie comedy Elijah's Ashes. Elijah's Ashes is a heroically dumb journey of brotherly love, homophobia, and acceptance that begs the age-old question, can you truly accept someone else when you can't even accept yourself? Starring Ryan Barton Grimley and Ari Schneider, Elijah's Ashes is available on Amazon Video. I feel like uh, Dr. Loomis is kind of like if you took Crazy Ralph and made him the main character. Yeah. Because his entire shtick is just telling everybody they're doomed. Yeah. It's like, no, you guys don't understand. Like, he's totally yeah. evil. He's going to kill you. You're doomed. Right. And nobody listens to yeah. him. It's like Crazy Ralph with like slightly better hygiene and a PhD. Horror Movie Survival Guide is a weekly podcast where two unlikely gorehounds delve into our horror movie notebook from college, which meticulously kept track of every film we watched in the horror section of our local video store in our quest to survive and to ensure we end up as the final girl. Join Julia and Marion as we revisit the classic and obscure horror VHS we viewed and logged in our notebook, breaking them down one by one, geeking out about all of the ghastly minutiae, and ultimately illuminating, illuminating the path to survival. Happy Halloween! Yeah! <laughs> hey guys, it's almost Halloween, so we're going to talk about Halloween. <laughs> you lucky people. This um, is Horror Movie Survival Guide, episode number 16. Yep, this is the first podcast from Indie Popcorn, recording here at the Circus. Um, and this episode's title, titled, It's Halloween. Everyone is entitled to one good scare. Yeah, 1978. John Carpenter yeah. and the iconic score yep. of Halloween. It is so awesome. What, what better movie to watch? I like that when the movie starts, it's just, it's like black, jack-o'-lantern, hol- like it just goes for it, like mm-hmm. right away. Like it's just like score, Halloween, jack-o'-lantern, like that's okay. All right. This is precisely what I thought this was going to be. And I like too that Erwin Yablons, who was the producer for Halloween, like looked it up and it was like, nobody's made a movie called Halloween yet. That's really funny. Guess what we're going to make. Yeah. That is really crazy. Like in ni- the movie was made in 1978. Yeah. By then, nobody was like, huh, horror movie called Halloween. Set on Halloween. Yeah. No, hadn't happened yet. Hadn't happened yet. Thanks, uh, John Carpenter and Erwin Yablons. Totally. Uh, so John Carpenter uh, directed this film and wrote the screenplay with Deborah Hill, if mm-hmm. I remember right. Um, and this is the film debut of one Jamie Lee Curtis. Oh, yes, it is. It is. Who plays, uh, who's Janet Lee's daughter uh, from Psycho. And uh, she plays Lori, again, in the long line of protagonists whose names end with Y or E. But it's adorable because apparently Lori Strode was the name of John Carpenter's first girlfriend. Oh, is that true? So it's like an homage. That is really So you cute. have like your Wes Craven who names the bad guys Freddy Krueger in that way. Oh, that's right. And then you have John Carpenter who's like Laurie Strode, who's like the hero. Yeah, that is actually so really cute. So wherever you are, Laurie Strode, you're, <laughs> you're welcome. For, forever immortalized. <laughs> that's so funny. Yeah, especially with all the sequels. He probably had no idea like no. her name would be bandied about, the Strode name would be bandied about for like decades. That's so funny. Um, so this movie begins... On a Halloween night. And what is it? It's like 1963. That's right. In Haddonfield, Illinois. In Haddonfield, Illinois. Um, And we got this, you know, uh, Marion's a big fan of these like all-in-oneers. And we have a Who isn't a fan? I don't know. I I wonder sometimes if people I think are a lot less impressed with them or even notice them than I am. I think people don't notice. Okay, maybe that's what it is. I think it's like the more movie-centric you get, the more you notice the camera work and the angles and the lighting and the sound. Like Yeah. This is like this. I also feel like these shots, though, just because they there's no cut, it builds attention in me where you're just like when's it gonna happen when's it gonna happen when's it gonna happen um so it's like you know kind of growing uh going up towards this house the camera kind of like pans over sort of like early steady cam style over uh to see a couple making out 
uh, things get a little hot and heavy and they go upstairs and then the camera slowly comes into the house all in one lights go out they go upstairs um, have the fastest sex in the in the entire world I believe mm -hmm. um, and then still going all in one the boy comes back down says goodbye to her the camera goes up and uh, the girl who is undressed at her nightstand turns and talks to her little brother Michael who puts on a mask that he sees, which I think is when the cut actually is in this movie, and stabs her to death. Um, and like from Michael Cam, there's a lot of cams in this movie, and that's like the first cam mm -hmm. in this movie, and then comes all the way downstairs, and his parents have just pulled up, and the mask is revealed, and that's when you see who Michael is, and he's a six-year-old boy sitting there with the butcher knife, and they have like this long pan away. A movie start. That's where this movie starts. I kind of wish that they had stuck with the clown mask that he wears in the beginning. Like, I think that would have been a cool thing that I was like, that's what I wore when Rather I did it the that Shatner time. Mask? Yeah, the, really? like, that, that it would be like continuation of like, I this is what I wore when I did it the first time, and this is what I continue to wear. Hmm. No, no disrespect to the Shatner mask. It's right, iconic, right. obviously. Sure, that's interesting. That is an interesting choice, though. Yeah, you're right because I feel like that would have been more obvious. To be like, I'm going to put on, because you know he's going to put on a thing later on when he comes back. Right. But that they, I don't wonder, I wonder if it even occurred to them to go back to the clown mask. Because then there would have been another like scary clown kind of thing because yeah. he's wearing a clown suit. Interesting. Mm -hmm. Questions for John Carpenter. Um, we don't know. We don't know. Um, but yeah, so then we, so basically then it like jumps forward 15 years um, and uh, we meet Jamie Lee Curtis, Lori. Um, Strode, who is definitely sort of the archetypal like good girl, like she she dresses like a grandma. She definitely dresses like a grandma. Um, I mean, Jamie Lee Curtis is a babe, but like the clothes in this movie in the beginning are appalling. Um, and um, she's supposed to be super bookish, and she has to babysit that night, and she has to go drop by some keys at the Myers house because her dad's like a real estate agent, and you know we sort of see the little boy that she's going to babysit later, and we meet some of her friends who are such assholes. That's funny. This is totally like the, the apex of like your friend are not actually your friends and I don't understand these are movie friends not real friends because uh, you have Annie who's one of the friends and they're all like babysitting that night or going to visit their friends who are babysitting that night um, and Annie uh, who's one of her friends is a serial complainer in this movie like I think she's supposed to be like the sarcastic one and she does nothing but complain this whole movie and it's kind of one of those things where like Laurie's kind of smart and quiet and they're talking about boys and PJ Souls plays the other friend who's like the cheerleader Linda. and Linda who like gets all the boys and they're both friends with Lori and it just doesn't seem to really make a lot of sense. No, but, well you get the kind of like know. bad girl slutty girls who are friends with the good girl and I don't yeah. know I think maybe like slutty girls get the good girl for like the cover up so they can be like oh I'm sleeping at Lori's house and their moms be like oh okay it's Lori so, but I don't, I don't understand how Annie plays into that dynamic because like she's know. you know like your, your, your complainer girl what? Like, she, well she's also got pot though I guess so. That is true. And, and we do see Lori smoke pot. Lori so. does smoke pot. That's true. Like she does break one of the rules. Uh, not the main rule, but she does break one of the rules. Uh, and it kind of kind of works out for her. So, um, so yeah. So basically, um, we sort of meet who are, are going to be sort of our heroes who m live in uh, Haddonfield modern day. And then we cut, we are introduced to Dr. Loomis, played by Donald Pleasance, um, who is accompanying a nurse who's named Marion. Mm-hmm excited about um and uh they're supposed to go uh go pick up now like i guess michael myers in his like late teens early 20s so he's just he's 21 21 okay there you go even though the credits say 23 where but yeah well no. yeah come on guys just math. Just do the math just math mm -hmm. um and it's raining and again the, the opening of this the sort of all the way up until when we first sort of see glimpses of michael um i really like not only because it has all these 
kind of all in ones and but there is so much cam in this movie there's mm-hmm. like the car driving on a rainy night cam there's sort of like you know once we see michael later on it's like michael observing people cam and a lot of a lot of the shots are from really far away and it's just people walking from like one mm-hmm. side of the street to the other or like a car driving down a lonely road or there's a, there's a lot of sort of observational effect in this movie that i think is like its version of sort of like foreboding right. especially because when we, michael does come later on he just he does watch people for a long time he's an excellent lurker he's a like champion lurker before he starts like really doing stuff yeah so i like that the camera's kind of doing the lurking for michael before even michael shows up and then there's like more lurking with michael i like that we get a lot of like the sound of michael breathing in his own mask yeah it's mask a- cam a lot of cams mm-hmm. like so many cams um horror movies are made for cams yeah totally so basically like donald uh pleasance uh, was a great actor and like gives us sort of like all the exposition as to like what Michael's been doing since we last saw him and what's been going on and his uh, psychiatrist. Yeah. He, who's the psychiatrist, um, has been a psychiatrist, I guess the whole time really. Mm -hmm. Um, and, uh, uh, and then basically they they come to the um, insane asylum where he's at and everyone's wandering around and they realize like he's gotten loose. So Dr. Loomis gets out and then Michael steals the car and drives away because he somehow figured out how to drive in a mental institution. Uh, one of the plot holes in this movie but is like, that whatever. Michael went into an institution when he was six and came out when he was 21 and knows how to drive. Yeah. But, you know, well, suspend some disbelief. I mean, that's fine. But he does say, Loomis does say one of my favorite lines in this movie, which is, he's gone. He's gone from here. The evil is gone. Um, and Donald Loomis is factors very heavily into Halloween. Don, all of Donald, Donald Loomis, Loomis. sorry, <laughs> <laughs> Doctor Loomis, played by Donald Pleasance. <laughs> That's probably going to happen more than once. Um, factors very heavily into Halloween and all his remake, all its sort of endless sequels. And I kind of like him, especially in the beginning of this movie, because he plays it super low key, mm-hmm. just kind of like yeah, yeah. But he also is, has this super haunted thing in his eyes, mm-hmm. where you feel like what he is like he has looked into the soul of michael myers and nothing good is there and it like terrifies him to his core even though it's like this kid essentially like i mean i know he's 21 but like he just he just like the way he talks about him and the way he sort of is about him he's just like you guys have no idea you have no idea i feel like uh Dr. Loomis is kind of like if you took Crazy Ralph and made him the main character. Yeah. Because his entire shtick is just telling everybody they're doomed. Yeah. It's like, no, you guys don't understand. Like, he's totally yeah. evil. He's going to kill you. You're doomed. Right. And nobody listens to yeah. him. It's like Crazy Ralph with like slightly better hygiene and a PhD. Uh-huh. Like, that's basically that's basically the character. Yeah. As played by Donald Pleasance, you know? So it's, and, and no one listens to him again. So, again, no, that's true. this is something we've learned uh, how to survive horror movies is you should always listen to the crazy Ralph, to yeah. the guy who says that you're doomed or the house is haunted or that you're never coming back. Totally. They, they know. Yeah, because these, like, these, these omens do not come in a pretty package. It's not somebody who's just like very reasonable and very, you know, it's just like, listen, you're probably all going to be murdered tonight, you know? It's always the guy who's just like, you have to listen to me. But it's because they've seen the other side of it. Like they've yeah. seen what is coming, you know? It's not good. And nobody ever listens. Ever, listen, you have to, you have to listen. Uh, so Dr. Loomis uh, is uh, has been trying been talking to the the sheriff of this town who is Annie's father who this the sheriff just seems to like live for jump scares he just likes <laughs> to like scare people there's I think because he does it to Loomis and uh-huh. he does it to Lori yeah. and he does it to yeah um, I don't know if like, I, 
again, I'm not clear if like there's supposed to be some kind of red herring element to this movie at all. I feel like, like sometimes who the killer is that happens a few times in these movies. I've noticed this where I think there's a thing that we're a little confused by. Where we're like, well, the killer is obviously X, and then uh, like there'll be a character that's meant to be sort of an authority figure that is slightly creepy. And I wonder if we're supposed to be like, oh, are, are they the bad one? And I'm right. like, no, definitely not. It's 100% Michael Myers. Like, I don't. So I don't know if that's what's going on here or if it's just, you know, free jump scares. I don't really know. I don't know. But, um, but, but Michael figures out enough how to drive the car into town, go to a hardware store, break in, steal mm-hmm. rope and knife and mask. And the mask. And then he gets the overalls from like a tow truck driver that he's murdered along the way who Loomis finds the truck later and is just like, oh, no. And he realizes that he's, you know, headed back to his house. And you um, know who else is good at lurking? Hmm. Dr. Loomis. Dr. Loomis is a champion lurker. There's yeah. just like a lurk off in yeah. this movie. It's just like Michael Myers is lurking, Dr. Loomis lurking. Yeah, but Dr. But Loomis... no one sees them ever. I know. Dr. Loomis is lurking for Michael Myers. Like, they're each kind of... And the meanwhile, Michael Myers is like lurking. He, he like follows Lori around. He follows the kid she's going to babysit around for a while. Uh, he follows them in the car, out of the car. Yeah. There's basically, he's just basically killing time until it's nightfall. Exactly. I feel like that's basically what it is. So um, he sees Lori. Um, she goes to drop off the keys at the Myers house and that's when Michael sees her. So we assume from here that that's, he's got a sort of fascination with her. Yeah, you and I talk about the motivation of Michael Myers and we're just a bit, I am not wholly clear on this because I feel like it's a little bit like something about the female form or if like female attractiveness make like has gone twang in his little six-year-old brain and has never since been recovered because I feel like seeing his sister have sex and be naked is what was like snap and I feel like seeing Lori and being attracted to her and seeing her friends and sort of maybe what attracted to them is like part of the snap but that is not clear and it and the movie put like pauses it more posits it more as like a familial thing like it's kind of like He's going back to the house. It's all about the house. It's all about he's just pure evil. And so it's really anybody. It doesn't really matter who they are or what they look like. or Right. But he is very specific on who he's following. Totally. So and he if, watches them for a really long time before he right, kills them. Exactly. So, so it's, it like does not random necessarily. No. It's kind of... And I feel like that element like is a thing about it. But I feel like we were, I've read a little bit about it. And no one else really seems to talk about that. They're just like, no, Michael Myers, pure evil. Okay. And so like, Which is my quote. So, so okay. when Dr. Loomis finally explains what Michael Myers' deal is. Is this like the super monologue? The yeah, sheriff. this is the super I monologue. monologue. I mean, I can't do this monologue like Donald Pleasance does, but cut me some slack. I met him 15 years ago. I was told there was nothing left, no reason, no conscience, no understanding, and even the most rudimentary sense of life or death, of good or evil, right or wrong. I met this six-year-old child with this blank, pale, emotionless face and the blackest eyes, the devil's eyes. I spent eight years trying to reach him and then another seven trying to keep him locked up because I realized that what was living behind those boys' eyes was purely and simply evil. That's pretty solid. It's a great monologue. Yeah. But I I feel like I can't love Halloween as much as I love like Nightmare on Elm Street because I don't understand Michael really. The deal. Like they're mm-hmm. just like always pure evil. I'm like, but what does that really mean and why is he kind of immortal and why like why does he decide to dress up like a ghost at one point and like there's like what's the deal with the mask part of it because like he doesn't kill people unless he has the mask on so when he was a little kid it was the clown mask and then it it enables him to do it and then now as an adult it's like with this you know faux 
William Shatner mask. And that's how that's what sort of like gives him carte blanche to do it. But you're right. It's like if they're pure evil, why does that even matter? Like if you're pure, I, I, I would expect pure it. evil to be more like a Leatherface kind of thing where you're just like, it's just completely random. Anybody who's in my path, I'm your your toast. But this is so calculated and so much lurking going on that and I, he's very methodical and then so that and because he's wearing a mask you can't see it you can't see his face so you don't know yeah. what he's thinking so i feel like for me there's supposed to be like the removed creepiness because you don't know who he is and you can't see his face but it for me is not as scary because it's, yeah it's just this thing because you're then not really sure what to be afraid of aside from babysitting you know what i mean yeah. like aside from babysitting on halloween what am i supposed to be scared of like i don't really Whereas you're right, we're kind of like in a more sort of like we were talking about a few episodes back about Rosemary's Baby, like what you're scared of is your own home, your own house. Or with Freddie, you're afraid to go to sleep because you everyone has to sleep. Or Yeah, it's kind of a little... It's a little muddy. Yeah, it is a little muddy. And it also is interesting because, again, because the dialogue tells us pure evil, pure evil, just that, you know... Later on in the movie, when he does start offing her friends first before eventually comes to Lori, when he does all that, like, kind of, it's like he has, like, totems and stuff. Like, when he sets Annie up and he steals the gravestone of his sister and, like, puts that on the bed. And it all seems to be, like, a method to the madness that's not just, I'm insane. But we're not privy to that information, so we don't ever really know And we're told... Almost the opposite. Like we're told, nope, evil, just evil. evil no stuff. conscience, no anything. But maybe are we meant to think that that's just what Loomis's interpretation of is? Like once Loomis mm. sees, like it's just that's his opinion. He's not interested in going any farther down or whatever. But yet, but yet, since we get the exposition from him, we're supposed to think that's the movie's explanation exposition. But like maybe, maybe that's just Loomis's take on it, and we are supposed to think that there's a larger deal. Maybe I don't know. It's just a bit confusing. It is a little bit confusing. Yeah. So I, I know that there's a lot of people who are like, Halloween is their number one. And yeah. the, this, I, I, I wish I could be there with it. Yeah. And I'm not. But it's not to say that it's not great. No. I would say Halloween is up there. I don't know if I would necessarily say Michael Myers is up there as high as Halloween for me as right. sort of like killers, you know, sort of like your big, because yeah, it's a little, it's a little unclear. It's also interesting that I noticed a lot when people describe him, for, I, don't, I don't really know why this is, but they call him the shape a lot yeah. when people talk about it and it's like yeah and it's like he's it's it's Michael it's Michael Myers like they in the very beginning of the movie in the opening like that's who the killer is so I don't know where this thing the shape comes from like you know when the shape does this and the mm-hmm. shape did that and I know a bunch of people have played Michael over the years all the sequels and yeah when I got to be the shape and I'm like what is that about it's two different things I think I don't know it's, it's Michael Myers and the shape because they listed him as Michael Myers and then they also have another guy listed as the shape interesting weird yeah so i don't i don't know yeah terry our producer was just saying that some that there's people credited as michael myers people credited as the on shape the on the imdb a separate guy okay Nate yeah the i don't know it might also be too because in the original movie there's obviously someone playing him when he escapes from the insane asylum there's right. someone's playing him as a six-year-old somebody the face the mask gets ripped off for a hot second at the end of the movie and I don't know if that's the guy who was underneath him the whole time. So I, I think I think a bunch of different people played him. I think so I, because it's one of those like kind of low budget scenes. Is like whoever's in the you're here, come get in the suit. It'll yeah, be fine. I'd be interested. So I mean, if you guys have an idea of like what you have a theory of like precisely what Michael Myers' deal is, like I would love to hear it. Like feel free to like you know. 
tweet that at us or and, something and or know, let us know. You, you know, I know that there's been many sequels and there's also been remakes and there will be new a new one coming out. We have the Rob Zombie one and everything and they mm-hmm. all try these different takes. But we're talking about the 1978. Yes. Just what you get from that. Yes, from that classic. Not from what has been gleamed later on, but and like just I, from this initial film. I really enjoy PJ Souls in this movie. Can I just say that? Yeah. She's a, she's a little miscast in Rock and Roll High School. I don't mm-hmm. 100% believe her as Ramon's fan, but I do believe her well, as... I think Ramon's, I think PJ Souls. <laughs> <laughs> but I do like this kind of this character she's so giggly and kind of weird and yeah. uh this is totally 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 all the time um, like that's and, her character yeah and, and i like that john carpenter wrote the part for her yeah um and had her uh show her tits yay tits there we go <laughs> there we go yet um, again i think though i would think i would like this movie more if pj souls played laurie really mm-hmm. i don't know if i agree with that i don't jamie lee curtis to me like she doesn't because she doesn't catch on to what's happening for so long into this film, mm-hmm. you get a lot of her wandering and like I'm knitting and I'm making popcorn and we're watching the thing on TV and like mm-hmm. there there I don't feel like her character has as much personality as as some of the other ones. I mean and, and she yeah. she but you know she comes through in the end and everything. Yeah, but I I don't know. I guess I just for what Lori is going to do later on in this movie, perhaps she gets out of it. I don't know if I would buy PJ Souls doing those things. Oh, I would. You know, I feel like. Jamie Lee Curtis brings like an intelligence to this that I feel like comes from her being quiet. And I also kind of like that she's sort of picked to be the final girl. And you're right. It's like there's nothing like magical about Lori. She's just like the last teenager left standing. And mm-hmm. she does do some clever things to like, you know, get herself out of the situation. But I like that her character has this sort of like unremarkable quality. And I think that's one thing that makes helps make this movie frightening is that you know, later on there becomes the thing where like Lori is Michael's sister, blah, 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 blah. But like that's not an issue in the early film. So it's just like she could be anybody. Like mm-hmm. she could be any of us. Like there's nothing. She's not like the prettiest girl in school or, you know, dresses the sexiest or like whatever. Like she's just he she's just the last one left standing. Because yeah, she and Annie have like dual babysitting kind of dates where their houses are like kitty corner to each other. So basically Michael well, eventually stops with the lurking and decides to get to the killing. Um gets Annie first. Right. Uh, but there's, uh, I like the, uh, as a side note to Annie that she calls her boyfriend, Paul, who is John Carpenter voice yeah. on the phone. Um, it's like, I'm coming over, like, oh, come on over and like, I'll come pick you up and we'll, we'll have sex in this house that I'm babysitting at, which is just weird. And super gross, but whatever. Um, but then she gets killed and never shows up. And I'm like, what's Paul doing during this movie? That's so funny. Yeah. Where is he? He's just sitting there waiting for her to pick him up. And it's like, where the fuck is she? Or I'm just really hoping there's like a shot where like that was cut somewhere where Paul like slow, Paul like pulls up to the driveway and kind of sees like screaming and crazy things going in the house and just keeps driving. And <laughs> it's just like, nope, no, thank you. No part of it. I think people forget that, uh, that Michael Myers does a lot of garroting he likes to, he does he, do he a lot of garroting with a phone cord with a piece of rope there's a lot of like That's strangulation true. before stabbing and so can we talk and pj souls doesn't even get stabbed she just gets strangled she does but can we talk about that whole sequence because like so yeah so you know by annie annie goes and then pj soul shows up with her bro- boyfriend with like the most amazing like 70s ridiculous or i guess yeah like late 70s glasses that are just hideous um and they eventually go upstairs and like do it. And then afterwards he goes downstairs. He gets it by Michael. And that's when we get the first like iconic kind of head tilt while you look he's, he's at just sort of observing. Observing. I've impaled you on a wall with a knife. And now I'm gonna stare. I'm gonna look stare. at it. And then and again, I'm not really sure how to take this. Michael goes back upstairs, puts a sheet over himself, and puts over the sheet. PJ Soul's boyfriend's glasses. 
and opens the door and just stands there and stares. A, a long time. For a long time. And it does look funny. And she laughs. And then eventually she's like, okay, well, come on. Okay, what? And the scene just kind of goes on and on and on. And I don't... Like, are we, is that supposed to be funny? Is that supposed to be creepy? Like, I don't... And that's the part of Michael Myers that I don't understand. Exactly. Like, where pure, you're like, what pure, is he doing right now? Pure evil is not like, I'm going to put on a ghost sheet and go scare this girl before I kill her. Like, but he's like, just, to what end? That's that's I where know. I feel you. I'm like, I don't, I don't know. I don't get what that's supposed to be. Like, regardless from like the director point of view, but like from the character, like mm-hmm. what does Michael think he's doing? Or like he's so, he doesn't know how to do it. So he's trying to like be a boyfriend, but still with the masks. But I don't know. Like I just... Again, if you guys have answers, please tweet me, Mary Narker. I would love to hear. Um, but like, I'm, I'm unclear. I'm so we're, we get we 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 finally get down to our final girl. Yeah. After uh, she has sent the kids off to the Mackenzies. To the Mackenzies. Yeah. So finally, eventually. So it's like people keep calling Lori, and then she kind of gets the sense that like kind of things are not right. Things, everything's not going well. So she goes across the street. Um, and again, one of these great like John Carpenter long tracking shots, you know, where you're just like she's getting closer and closer and closer to the house. And fun um, fact, that house is across the street from the Nightmare on Elm Street house. That's right. Yeah. Both of these are in uh, West Hollywood, right? Yeah. Yeah. They're like on Genesee. Just 100% like, not in Haddonfield, Illinois. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> Definitely not. Um, what if those movies were taking place simultaneously? No, again. Back, I know. It goes back back to our whole poltergeist discussion. I know. Like poltergeist E.T. house, the house in the middle. Like what's going on? Yeah. It's a whole other movie. That's amazing. Um but yeah, she goes upstairs and basically in the, one of those sequences like finds Annie on the bed. Uh, Judith Meyer's tombstone has been stolen earlier in the movie. The tombstone's on the bed. Annie's on the bed. Uh, she finds the boyfriend, you know, hanging from one room and Linda's in the closet. It's sort of the thing where you find all the bodies at the same time. And, uh, and then they have this great reveal for Michael, which is one of my favorite reveals of the mm-hmm. movie where basically she's in the hallway like whimpering. And there's like, he's in a darkened doorway that is slowly revealed and you see just the mask and he like goes for her and stabs her and she falls down the stairs and then she's like out and she's running across the street. And you do one of these other iconic shots where she's full on running across the street and the door's locked and Tommy and, and um, what's the other little girl's name? Lindsay? Lindsay, that's right. Tommy and Lindsay are like watching TV and they're like, open the door, open the door. And they're coming to open the door really slowly. Of course. And Michael's just walking. He's not in a rush. He's not, I'm, I'm going to kill you anyway. And they just keep cutting back and forth between her like banging on the door and him just slowly taking his time coming across the street and the last second lets her in. Um, and then, but then it's interesting. This is one of the mistakes that Lori makes early on. And she does this a couple of times where like Michael sneaks into the living room. She stabs him with a knitting, a knitting needle like in the neck, I uh-huh. think. And she grabs his knife. And then when she thinks he's dead, she drops the knife. She does it. And she does that repeatedly. We're like, she thinks she gets him. Keep their weapons handy at all times. Never, never. Not even like, not even when the police arrive, drop the knife. You're not safe then. Like you keep that knife as close to you until it's like maybe tomorrow. Like maybe, you know, you just don't, you you know what I mean? Because like you never know. And these guys tend to have some crazy supernatural, like bounce back abilities. Well, you and I would know to just go full final exam and stab them like 12 times in the chest. And and even then, don't drop the knife, you know, Keep keep it. So she does that a bunch. Um, and then eventually she's led back upstairs and you have the great closet scene, which right. I really enjoy. And I also do think is really clever um, where Lori's trapped herself into in a, a closet. Uh, she's a lot tried, of whimpering. A lot of whimpering. She's tried to do the thing where she's like opened a, por- a patio door so he'll think she's gone out that way, which is clever. But then she's trapped herself. What, what Ben warned us about in Night, <laughs> Night of the Living Dead. That's right. She's it's a trapped, death trap. 
death trap. She's trapped herself in a closet. Michael's figured out that she's in the closet. And so he's in there banging and you think she's just toast. But she grabs one of the hangers and straightens it and shoves it into his eye. Well, we get our we get our one shot move. of Michael without his mask on. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that's eyes, when he like rises in the back. Uh-huh. And, and then comes eyes forward. all kind of fucked up. Mm-hmm. Um, and then comes out of it. And then basically eventually like, you know, they're, they're back in the hallway struggling again. And he's like throttling her. And then Dr. Loomis, who's decided he's had enough of lurking in the bushes at the Myers house for basically this whole movie, shows up with his gun and shoots Michael a bunch of times. Five and, times. Yeah. Until he like falls over the railing. Um, out the window. Out the window, over the railing, onto the ground. And so you see him on the ground. And then Loomis goes out to go check on him. And he's gone. And that's when... Uh, uh, that's the other line that uh, I really like from, oops, that I really like um, from this movie uh, where Laurie turns to uh, Loomis and says, uh, was that the boogeyman? And he says, as a matter of fact, it was. It's a good final line. It is a good final line. Um, and basically, like, we're left with Laurie just, like, like being super traumatized. Again, not to sort of, like, Sally, Texas Chainsaw Massacre levels, but, like, super traumatized, really screwed up. Definitely our final girl, though. And it's cool because uh, Halloween 2 takes place, it starts like the second the first one ends. Which I do really enjoy. I enjoy as well. It's yeah. like the same night continuing into the hospital and there's a whole thing going on there. Um, yeah, but I think that's a great idea. It is a good idea. Especially because Michael Myers just bailed. So like he's he's good. Like he's ready to go right now. There's no like, oh, he was blown up so we need recoup time. Like nope, none of that. Um, I, I just, for me, like I'm a horror movie fan who wants my horror movies to make sense. So I want my killers to like you can give me you can give me a certain amount of motivation and like it's okay if they're just but like I don't I don't get the explanation I want from this film I don't get the like Michael doesn't scare me the way that he like Leatherface scares me because he's just blank yeah and there is I understand there's a creepiness in the blankness but there's not I think, I think the blankness would be great. I, I mean, I think the blankness is great. Like, I like the mask. I like the sort of, like, n- n- no negotiating, no, that whole thing. But I feel like if the backstory is just, it doesn't need to be complicated, but just clearer. Because I just feel like there's a lot of times where I was like, why is Michael doing that? And I don't really want to question, like, why my big bad is doing mm-hmm. things. Like, maybe, oh, he should have gone this door instead of that door. But no, it's like, literally, like, the whole ghost bit what is that about? Like, I don't, you know, I don't, I don't really understand. And again, there's so much to love about this movie. Like it is, I think it's shot really well. I uh-huh. think Jamie Lee Curtis is great. I think, you know, all the supporting characters are really fun. I think Michael Myers is, you know, like to look at him, like they have a couple great shots where he's just in front of the house, just like staring. And he, yeah, if I like open my window, saw that across the street, I'd be like, Nope. Like this is what we got to do. You and me. We'll just go out. We'll get Michael Myers outfits, and we'll just go and stand and lurk. And just and stand. And all lurk. you have to do is stand there. I feel like we have to be a lot taller, though. Like I don't know if we're quite tall enough to like really pull that off. Um, uh, yeah. I guess but still, so. it would be no good. A kind of small, a small Michael Myers, <laughs> sort of miniature Michael Myers, perhaps <laughs> not quite so terrifying. <laughs> um, so for our uh, our rating for this. Uh, our gore factor. Marion, you want to go with the gore yeah, factor? Yeah, uh, gore factor is uh, one, not enough blood to fill a Dixie cup. Two, puddle of blood. Three, enough blood to gross out the average viewer, meaning me. Um, four, bathtub of blood. Five, run for the barf bag. And we gave this one. Uh, gore factor for this movie was three. Fair. I think that's totally fair. Yeah. Yeah, I do think that's fair. Um, it ain't no dead alive. No, no, yeah, it ain't no lawnmower, but you know, lawnmower full of blood. But uh, yeah, and then um, the movie rating system. So we have zero to five chainsaws, 
Uh, one, if you're desperate. Two, barely qualifies as a horror film. Three, seen better, seen worse. Four, not too shabby. And five, fantastic oracle. And Marion and I both gave Halloween a five. Yeah, which is interesting because now, like, I wonder in sort of hindsight, because we're sort of thinking more about the motivations of Michael, like, I wonder if I still give that a five. Um it's still great. Like the, I feel you know, like we're going to piss off so many horror hounds because like, how dare you say something like that about Michael Myers? But it's but not it's about the, the truth. Mo- but it's not about the movie. Like, I feel like if I were to slightly downgrade my five, it's not the movie. It really is like the character and mm-hmm. like his deal. He looks scary. It's well done. Like John Carpenter did an amazing job. Jamie the Curtis is amazing. You know, like you have all the bits are there, you know. Um, and yet somehow. And yet somehow that one thing where you're just like, that would just really be like, knock it over. Um, so surviving this movie, we've learned uh, pretty much just keep a weapon with you at all times. Keep a weapon with you at all times. Again, if you sort of, I think Lori has the feeling as the night is going on that all is not quite right. Like her friends are picking up the phone or they're not answering mm-hmm. or her friend or Linda's death is her calling. Right. And she just hears and she's being strangled by the telephone cord by Michael. And it's just her friend going ah, 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 on the phone. And she's like, hello, hello hang up but like if you have a feeling to follow your instincts and like not just yeah and please for god's sakes do not drop down the do not drop the knife and like, be a little more observant if there's someone lurking outside your window you know you should probably notice that which i will say i feel like Lori does i feel like in earlier with all the lurking i feel like the other girls for the most part like just nothing Lori's the one who's constantly like looking over her shoulder yeah. and looking back and looking so she gets these feelings, but she's like, nah, oh, that's not a thing. That's crazy. But I'm glad that John Carpenter allows your, you can smoke pot. That's fine. And you'll live. That is fine. Yeah. Because Jamie Lee Curtis definitely does that. But like, you can't have sex in John Carpenter's no. world because death. Man, what a drag. And death. Sorry. Who, who wants to live in a world with no sex? That's a sad world. As long as I'm not killed by Michael Myers, I could definitely handle that. Like 100% handle that. Mm, I don't know about that. I just don't want to... Um. <laughs> <laughs> so with, um, we uh, we are Horror Movie Survival Guide. Uh, you know to find us uh, where you find us. Julius C. Marquesi on Twitter. Uh, uh, Marion R. Kerr on Twitter. All of the all of the things. Thank you for listening to uh, our Halloween episode. Hope yeah. you're listening on actual Halloween. If you are, <laughs> take a little 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 John Bender fist bump at the end of Breakfast Club. <laughs> Slow and rising. You've done a good job for today on Halloween. You've checked all the Halloween boxes. Uh, next week we're going to talk about uh, one of my favorite horror movies and one that I watch repeatedly in junior high. That's the kind of girl I was. Pet Cemetery. Wow. That is so not what I did in junior high. Oh, yeah. Watch that movie. I was, I was like exclusively reading Stephen King and like watching Stephen Why King. Why are movies. we friends? Like I just, I don't understand. I don't like, know. Two girls from two different tracks of town. Because like, you kind of like to be corrupted a little bit by me. I guess that's why. It is intriguing. It mm-hmm. is intriguing. Where I'm like, what? I, what I are like, you talking I about? I like to watch people be uncomfortable, <laughs> I guess. I'm a weirdo. So listen to us talk about Pet Cemetery, which, which uh, is a, a great film. And uh, happy Halloween. Oh, yeah. Happy Halloween, guys. 